I love that when you texted me, I made fun of you because you're like, he's a smoke show. I'm like, are we doing that now? <laughs> Man of the year. Man of the year. Man of the year. Welcome to the number one friendship podcast in the country. I'm Aaron Cairo. I'm Matt Ritter. So Matt, we have a very special guest today, my buddy, the actor Travis Van Winkle. He is starring with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in the new Netflix show, FUBAR. Great dude, we had a great conversation with him. And I thought you'd appreciate that I met him through one of our Man of the Year tenants. Third place. The third place, which is which is one of our you know touchstones. Yep. My third place is the gym. I went to the same gym. You know, you have to embrace consistency. The same gym, same class, like every day for weeks and months. Travis was there. First, you just kind of head nod. Then you kind of say, hey, man. Then you like introduce yourself. And then you're like, hey, let's work out together. And hey, we should hang out. And then like six months later, you like went out with him. And 10 years later, we're buddies. It's amazing. A quick question, because we had talked about this on a pod. I think we had a listener question of like, I go hardcore at the gym and I'm not sure people are you know, into it. And then I said, well, you know, you can make friends with people who are not lifting the same amount as you. Like I'm guessing you and Travis, no offense, are not lifting the same amount. Travis is what we call Jack. Yeah. And not that you're not. Yeah. I mean, you're but not. he's a. You're not. I mean, you are not. <laughs> he is, you know, he's a, he's a former model. He's former? A, I think, I don't know if he's former? still models, but. I mean, Aber- I could still be in catalog. He's an Abercrombie guy. Yeah. He could still definitely be print. Oh yeah. He may have aged out of, uh, you know. Yeah, I think he could walk. Vogue. I, think, I don't think he wants to. Yeah. But yeah, he's extremely hot. And uh, ladies, if you'd like to see him, uh, you could watch this pod on YouTube. Um, <laughs> what a shameless plug. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it seemed right. So uh, one of the things he talks about in the interview is men's groups, which mm-hmm. is, I cannot believe we've never spoken about men's groups in this pod. What is your definition in your mind of what a men's group even is? I think the reason we never talked about it is because I never really knew what it was it felt like something from our parents generation no it's newer no it was around okay it's kind of coming back i mean there were men's groups all through like my parents gen really yeah there were men's groups now they're coming back i think like there's temple men's groups Mm. remember the rabbi was talking about how they've had they've had those forever but i also think like i always thought elks club was kind of like a men's group the rotary club was a men's group yeah you know um but they're not they're not. Yeah. What I'm saying, yeah. like, they're sort of what I thought of as a men's. Can group. I just define it real quick yeah. for audience? This is from mensgroup.com. Yeah. A men's group is typically a group of five to ten guys that meet on a regular basis to share what is happening in their lives and receive guidance on how to best navigate the situations. Mm. It's like a support group for dudes. Yeah. So that's not what I thought men's groups were. I just right. thought they were all these different like yeah. men's clubs, you know. But I I, I do always hear about it. Like a lot now. By the way, not to say that all those things you mentioned are not yeah. valid things. Yeah, but I, I'm hearing a lot about men's clubs. Yeah, because men aren't typically that vulnerable. Yeah. They don't share that much. They're afraid to ask for advice and guidance. And also some men don't know that many other men. Yeah. So I think it's great. I love it. Yeah, I mean, this is really a men's group for me, you, and Theo. This is our men's group. Yeah, this is our men's group. Yeah. It's a group of three. Yeah. So let's talk to Travis and then um, come back on the other side. All right, this is our interview with Travis Van Winkle. Travis, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Nice to see you. Oh, it's been way it. too long. It has been long. I don't even remember the last time I saw you in the flesh. Um, I think I do. It was um, at the farmer's market. Remember we used to go on like Thursday nights? 
uh, oh that writers group thing at the Grove. Yeah. Um, so so Travis, I don't know if you know the impetus for the podcast, but basically, uh, me and Matt are childhood friends. Uh, we have the same nine friends from fourth or fifth grade, and we're part of the world's greatest friendship tradition. Um, every year on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, the nine of us gather from wherever we are and have dinner at Peter Luger Steakhouse in Brooklyn, and we vote on which friend had the best year. And then that friend wins our Man of the Year trophy, this gigantic trophy. You get your name engraved on it, and you keep the trophy for the rest of the year. And that's jumping off of the podcast. Yeah. Wow. That is, that, that's an incredible thing you guys have going. And you've been doing this since what year did you start it? This is our 20th annual dinner coming up. Wow. I mean, you know, the idea of having community and having a strong sense of friendship is, is, is one of the links to longevity. So I think you guys are onto something. Yeah, you've read the study that we've been citing in our uh, in our podcast over and over again. Um, I love that. But just curious, like, do you have any rituals, traditions, anything with your buddies, like that you do every year, every month, every week, get, getting together, dinners, trips, anything like that? We did have this men's um, men's New Year's thing going on for quite a few years. We started this in 2012. And we would do this incredible international travel. It was only my close group of guy friends. And the first one we did was Tokyo and uh, Thailand. Then we did Bali. Then we did um, Costa Rica. Um, then we did Nicaragua. Like we were, we were always having these incredible trips where we would show up to celebrate New Year's, and we would really get get clear on our successes, our um, our struggles and challenges of the year prior. Um, the things that we wanted to work on for the new year, get clear on the goals that we wanted to achieve in this upcoming year. And we would really share in this really beautiful way. And we would hold each other accountable. Um, and so it became this, um, this tradition that we had for quite a few years. And then as all the friends started getting married and kids and, you know, everything just changes and shifts. Um, I'm still the one that's not married or having any kids, but, um, welcome to the, welcome to the club here. It's me and you. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, it's a, I guess a good club to be in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was such an incredible experience that we had for many years. And it was always so fulfilling to know that that's something that we had. And we would check in, you know, like every four months, we would all kind of get together and have a conversation and rehash some of our goals that we talked about, how they were going. And it was, a, it was an accountability group. And it really, I think that helps you elevate and helps you achieve the success that you you want. You need that support. We all need help. And to have it be your close guy friends, you know, they can relate to what you're going through in the world. And so it's, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's not as epic as yours, it sounds like, but it was, uh, it was a moment. It sounds more epic, to be honest. Yeah, you're right. You know, yours sucks. Ours, ours was really, really epic. I mean, I like ours better, but I will say... <laughs> That does sound pretty cool, and I'm curious who started that because that's such a. I always wonder, like people have these great friendship traditions, but somebody has to come up with the idea to start them. Yeah, I don't know how. You know, I I think the trip. The, 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 like, was it always an accountability the, thing right from the beginning? Well, the journaling around, you know, the challenge that you had in the past year, the successes that you had, you know, um, and then then what you wanted to achieve in, the, in this upcoming year, and. Um, I think that that was something that we had done as a group even before these trips started. I don't know who came up with that, 
But I know that the first trip was inspired because my father used to work for Delta and I had buddy passes for my friends. Oh. And it is a nightmare if you ever have traveled on a buddy pass. Most of the time it doesn't work. You get stuck in an airport. You end up having to buy a ticket anyways. It's usually a nightmare. But for whatever reason, I had buddy passes that I got from my dad's friend. And so I, I asked my friends if they wanted to go on this trip to Thailand. And for whatever reason, the stars aligned and there was basically we were fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth on the list. And there were four people in front of us. And for whatever reason, that was one party and they didn't show up. And we made we made we made the trip. So there was the, the first time that it all happened. It was pretty special. There are some other things. We, I was in a few different men's groups over the years where there was we would consistently show up every week and have incredible conversations. And what we would do with the way that we had it set up was was a different person would facilitate the conversation each week. And so there was always a kind of responsibility that you had to bring in whatever you thought was valuable to talk about. And um, and you got to actually learn from your friends when, when they brought in what they thought was valuable. And I, I enjoyed that flow for a while. But currently, I don't have any rituals with my guy friends. And I feel like that's a part of my life that, uh, that, that, that actually feels like it's lacking a bit that I, I, I would really appreciate my 40th birthday. My good buddy, Justin threw me a party at his house and we invited all of my guy friends over. I told him I wanted to have like a men's retreat and it was, such, and there was no alcohol, no drugs. And it was a very sober experience. He brought a chef in and there was like 30 of my guy friends and, he brought a Qigong instructor and we learned the power of our energy. And we were all like trying to do like these crazy flips and doing a terrible job at it. Um, we then went and did this, this breath work that was really intense. And we did the sharing circle where they walked, they looked me in the eye and they each told me what I represented to them. And then I, I had to tell them and it was in between all this breath work, we're tired, we're crying, it's really wild. And, and then we, um, we all did a cold plunge. Uh, and then mm. we had this incredible steak dinner and I shared this this poem that I'd written about everyone to, to show them that I, I love them and appreciated them. And and then we had this woman that came and performed a sound bath and we all laid in room and like we're, vibe, like we're all about, you know, in different like dream states. And, and then we sat in this jacuzzi and checked out the meteor shower that was happening uh, that night. It was such an amazing 40th birthday party that was centered around you know, the essence of what a men's group is. And I really needed that coming into my 40th year, my, this, this new decade. It's really important that I had that. So I know right now I don't have a regular structure where that's involved, but I know it's, it's something that I'm, I, I really want and I yearn for right now. So it sounds like you have a couple of great things going on, a healthy friend circle. Sounds like you guys are vulnerable. A lot of stuff that we cover in the podcast seems like you're doing well. I guess my question is, have you kind of like, lost touch with some of those people or I really just like do you need some new friends like when was the last time you made a new friend I guess I'm I guess I'm curious because a lot of our podcast is about how you know people like I have no friends and they're not they don't really not have friends right it's that they've had a lifetime of where it was just easier to be with their friends and easier to connect and as you get older you learn when you turn 40 it's just harder to make the time so I'm just curious you know what what is going on in, in your sort of your life that have you just been like I'm so overwhelmed that I just, none of us have been able to make the time anymore. Or, you know, are you, are you like, I need to make some new friends because these people are now married with kids and now I got to go find, now you got to go hang out with Cairo, maybe. You should be so lucky. <laughs> Is that the last resort? Like, not that all my friends are, are busy. Um, it's the end of the line. 
Uh, no, I, you know, life is always moving and life is always flowing. And, you know, a lot of my friends have, have very big lives and they're, they're, they're living them and, and, and I'm living my life and, you know, our paths will cross when they need to cross. We'll stay in touch via text and conversation or FaceTime. And, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll meet up, but right now it's just been, everyone's been very busy in our lives. Um, so that's made it difficult, but I was just recently in Austin for a couple months and, I put myself in a situation where I, I met a tremendous amount of new friends, very um, luckily, very quickly. Um, and I think putting ourselves in those uncomfortable situations where we actually force our hand to go out there and be social, you know, you'll surprise yourself. Because it was, it was a, a great experience where I had to put myself out there and, it, and, and I made some really good friends when I was in Austin. And, and so right now I'm just in this place where I'm, I'm just transitioning and, and work is taking me in a certain direction. And, you know, we've just, we, we haven't lost touch. We've just lost the time to share space together as, as much as we used to. And I'm adjusting to, to that, you know, and I, I, I hear that's what happens when you reach your, you know, you start to get into your 40th decade. It's very common, um, but it's, it's a new experience for me. I want to drill down to the awesome thing, just because our listeners are always asking us and we always get like, so how do we do it? How did you do it? Like you went to a new city. Like, do you remember, is there one thing that you did? You know, we said, put yourself out there that kind of cemented a friendship with somebody in this new Austin. How'd you meet all these people? Yeah. So you always use your resources. You use what you have. So I, I had a friend or two in Austin and, you know, they invited me to one of their events or one of their parties and you just show up wholehearted and you show up open and you end up organically connecting with people. I also have a dog, so I'll go to the park every day or I'll take my dog to this area of Barton Springs where you swim. And, you know, hopefully we walk around life you know, with an open heart and an open mind. And so naturally you end up just gravitating towards certain people at a certain time and you guys have a conversation and there's a spark and, you know, you honor that and you, you know, you then, you know, nourish that, that friendship and or that budding friendship. And so for me, it was just using the resources I had. And I, I would say yes to things. And it's really important when you say yes. So if you notice, if you go anywhere to a new town, you'll just being open, there'll be certain things that you'll even seeing a flyer on the wall that says like, there's this event. And for some reason you're open. You're like, that seems interesting. Say yes to that. Go. And I think that there's all these little whispers that we hear all the time that we have to honor. And I think those lead us to opportunities to connect with people. And so, you know, I think the, the, the my main suggestion, I guess, in doing something like that was just be remain open and just be willing to say yes, even though you might be uncomfortable. Matt, I've been tracking all the techniques we talk about in the pod that Travis just mentioned. One, friends of friends, you know, always employ your friends of friends. Two, uh, third place. So you went to the dog park over and over again and you started to meet people. Three, the golden retriever technique, which is when you're happy to see people and you don't really care if they're happy to see you. You just come in and you're happy. Four, embrace randomness. You just see some random flyer or whatever. You just go for it. I mean, you're, you're an apex <laughs> I mean, you got it all. Well, you know, I'm uh I'm just I'm doing my best every day. That's all I can do. <laughs> can we can we talk about our meet cute? Um so we met at the gym probably 2013 like 10 years ago. Brick CrossFit. Uh, Brick CrossFit. Yeah. Uh did you make other friends in that time? It's okay if I wasn't the only one like what, what do you think about the gym as a social? A hundred percent. That's one that I, I probably, I, I left out and I shouldn't have because no matter what, I think uh, working out and doing anything physically active is such a social activity. 
Do you like cycling? You end up like cycling with your friends and you ride next to them. And it's really just a social hour. If you like running, it's the same thing. You go to the gym, it's the same thing. You're, you have a common goal. You're there to, you know, get fit or to go on a nice run or to, you know, build your cardiovascular, whatever it is. You guys are there for a common purpose. And when you have a common purpose, it's so much easier to connect and you're just more open and you're also doing the same things and pushing each other. So it's, it sets, it's such a nice platform to be able to connect organically and the gym for us was that. Yeah, I had a, I had quite a few friends that I made at Brick. Shit, I started a, um, a girlfriend that I had for a couple of years that I met at Brick. And so, you know, you connections happen at the gym, especially you're sweating, your endorphins are flowing, you know, you're like your serotonin and dopamine are just like bursting through your brain. It's, it's yeah. a great, great place to meet people. Why, why did we connect? You know, I, I, it was so long ago, but I just, I, I remember like we were like buddy, buddy very quickly. Well, let's go over because I'm. I need. I need a little. Bit. It's all. It happened so long ago. It's a little bit of a uh, you know cloudy. Uh, it was like a, a cloudiness to it. I remember you doing stand up, and I went to one of your shows. Okay. So I remember knowing you know thinking that you were funny and going to one of your shows, and also I knew that you were a writer, and so there was just this common ground that we had because I'm an actor and I was, you know, I think I was in an improv at that time. And so there was just a natural lane that we had a very easy way to communicate. And, and you I had a stand-up show, right? At the improv. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. one from the gym. I invite everybody for the gym. That's right. Um, didn't you ride your bike to the gym like seven every miles every day? Yeah. It wasn't seven miles, but I definitely would ride my bike to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. I still do yeah. that. Aaron liked you because you have a strong jawline. That's <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. I knew that was coming. Yeah. And piercing eyes. That's what Don't objectify Travis. Don't objectify him. a friend. There's That's so he, much more to me, Matt. There is Not so according much. to Aaron. Not, not, not offline. <laughs> that was it. Um, I got to ask about uh, your new show because it's great. Fubar. And you're on a show with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? <laughs> And I assume you guys are boys now. That's just my assumption was that you and him are BFFs. Um, his, whole, his whole uh, performance was done by AI. He actually was. He's not even not there. Even. Damn it. <laughs> uh, we, we, I just, I'm just curious, you know, what's he like? Are you boys? You know, are you guys hanging out now? Like, are you, are you friends with his goats and horses? I've definitely met his animals. I actually saw him at, at Gold's this morning in Venice. Um, you know, we talked for a little bit and, worked out next to each other. He's, a, he's an incredible guy. And, you know, uh, thank you for the, the, watching the show. The show's such, it's such a goofy, fun ride. It's this big dysfunctional family that is trying to save the world. And it's just this really wild ride for eight episodes. It's a fast watch. Um, I'm, I was really, really proud of the work. And it was received really well, which is always a blessing because you never know how people are going to receive the work. And um, it's always a nice, like, cherry on the top when – when people, people like it, but I had, we had a great time doing it and working with Arnold. Um, he's the top. Look, Arnold has achieved everything he's ever wanted in his life. And so when you meet someone like that, you obviously just want to learn as much as you can without like gushing over him or like, you know, like, like losing your sense of self because I, I, I watched this guy my whole life. I've looked up to him my whole life. And so I was a little intimidated to come and work with him. And my tech, my strategy around that was I very quickly let him know everything I respected about him. And I went through a laundry list of things about why he was, you know, this legend to me. And I just had to like get this out of the way. And once I got that out of the way, I felt like we could actually get to work and start 
actually building a, a friendship. And yeah, you spend a lot of time with each other on set. Like as if you've ever been on a set, it's just it's a lot of hours. You're working like 12 to 14 hours a day. There's a lot of waiting around between setups and you have a lot of time to shoot the shit and to talk. And um, I got lucky enough to smoke some cigars with Arnold and I'm a terrible cigar smoker. Like I, I, I've definitely had to like work on my technique. And Yeah, I don't know what the good way is. I can tell that when I'm smoking a cigar, Everybody knows it's probably my first cigar like I've ever had. I think I tried to cut the wrong end the other day at a at a party, which is a pretty bad tell. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh it's not something that I'm well versed at, but in order to be able to hang out and just to say that I've been able to smoke cigars with Arnold oh, yeah. is just so neat. You've seen him do that in every movie he's ever been in and it's just this, this iconic, you know, relationship he has with a cigar. I feel like he actually made the cigar business successful. Like that's just the kind of guy he is. Whatever he does and whatever he he just genuinely enjoys, that thing becomes incredibly, you know, successful. Um, same thing with the Hummer. He saw a Hummer on a military base, and he's like, "Wow, that'd be really cool to drive something like this on the street." And so he uh, teamed. He asked like uh, Bush and Cheney what he what could be done about it. They teamed him up with GM or some whatever car company. They did. They made one for him. Just solely, he didn't want any money and he wasn't thinking about anything in the future. He just wanted to drive one. So they made one street legal. He drove that around and people saw him driving it and they ended up having to make more. And it became, the Hummer became what it is today because he just genuinely wanted one for himself. What? And so like, that's just his, that's how wow. he's always lived his life, you know? And I feel like he's had such an impact. He's just one of those guys that when you're around him, you just want to be at your best. And so I feel like, working with him and be, you know, as a colleague and becoming his friend, it's, it's only been a positive experience. He's the man. I mean, he's yeah. the greatest, but we also talk about on the pod, how having a mentor and like people, friendships across ages really serve you. I feel like he's the pinnacle of like, if you were going to be friends with somebody older, <laughs> that's who you'd want to be friends with. Yeah. You know, on set, we just, he's very open and engaging and curious too. Like, I, I would definitely ask him some questions about politics and finances and would just pick his brain about things on set and just to hear his perspective. It was always one of those things where I would just like, am I, is this really happening? But yeah, he's, he's definitely got a lot of insight to offer as he's experienced more life. And I, I do think mentorship is really important and it's always important to look back and, and to, you know, to pay it forward and to mentor, mentor those that are, are coming up behind you. I mean, what a professional Travis is. He's leading me into my next question, even though he doesn't even know what my next question is. Uh, but I want to talk to you about Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Um, and you you serve on the on the board, is that? I'm on the correct? junior board, yeah. Junior board uh, of, of LA. And this is actually something we haven't talked about that much uh, on the pod, which is mentoring people younger than you. And I'm just curious, first of all, when I... I'm not even sure I know what Big Brother's Big Sister is. What I imagine is you are assigned, you know, a kid who maybe doesn't have parents or they're not around and you hang out with them once a week and like go to the park. And is that, is that basically just? I can give you the rundown. So Big Brother, Big Sister, it's a mentorship-based program. It's a nonprofit where the big is the mentor, the little is, you know, the child. And the child can come from, you know, most of the time they come from living below the poverty line. You know, one parent might be incarcerated. They're, they're coming from a place where they're in need of some kind of stable mentor. And you, let's say, as a mentor, I went to the program and I filled out an application. I told them, 
you know, what my interests were. They take a long time to actually match you. They go through a process. It, t- it took about four months for them to come up with the match that would make the most sense for me. And then you end up meeting the little, and then you decide right then and there if you want to continue this. And so once that, that matching process is done, um, it's the requirement is it's a one-year commitment and it's four to six hours every month. That's it. It is a very nominal commitment for a life-changing impact. It's four to six hours a month. And that can be whatever you want it to be. That could be taking, you know, going to the park and, and drawing. That could be skateboarding in Venice, which was my, my little brother and I's first outing. It could be driving up through the Angeles Forest and touching snow for the first time. It could be going trick-or-treating in a really affluent neighborhood in the valley. You know, it, could, it can be going to a coffee shop. You know, it can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, but it's an, it's a year-long commitment. And the results based off of data are that these children that are in the program, and they, I think it starts from anywhere from six all the way until 14 is usually the age range. And they age out of the program at 18 years old. Yet my big brother's, or my little brother's 24. I still consider him my little brother. I met him when he was 11 turning 12. What? Um, so it's been a while. But so the, the, wow. the, here's the database results are... The children in the program, they have more self-confidence. They have a higher chance of, of um, graduating high school and have better grades. Um, they are more likely to not get involved with alcohol and drugs. I feel like having this, this, this program really sets a child up for success in a big way. And that there are results that prove that. So it's this, the, the, that's the gist of what the Big Brother Big Sister organization is it's a, it's a mentorship based program and the, you know the beauty of this program is that the mentors always across the board will say hold on i'm receiving way more than i feel like this kid is getting like wh- who's this program really serving and that's across the board ask any mentor and they will say the exact same thing and so you know it's a beautiful service within a service and everybody wins and i think as we get older creating win-win scenarios is the most important thing in our life yeah, I, I think that's beautiful. And I also think as you get older, you realize that service serves you tremendously, right? Like we say, it's this, you know, selfless thing, but it does actually do so much for you. I think it's just, you know, the cycle of life that you kind of pick up these things. On a smaller scale, I helped mentor inner city kids in stand-up comedy. And I saw a lot of that, like confidence building and like all these things. But at the end of the day, I was like, this is so fun for me. This is so, I'm getting so much so much more. We used to do this thing called Young Storytellers. I don't know if you've heard of this organization. Yeah, 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 you mentor yeah, yeah. kids in elementary school into writing a five-page play. And it's an eight-week process of mentorship. And then at the end of that, you bring in a group of actors and they perform these plays in front of the whole school and in front of the parents that come. And I've been a mentor in that. I've also been a performer in that. And what you see is that these kids, they'll write five-page story and usually it's like about a banana or about you know you know a ghost or it's about um you know like a bicycle that's you know that is supposed to like go on this magical journey whatever it is that they write about most of their stories are about how they're not um happy with the relationship at home about how something they're they're struggling with something and you realize that this is just an outlet for kids to express themselves and if you it's it's not just a way where them they just talk like that's almost too on the nose kids need this artistic way to get stuff out when they don't necessarily know how to communicate themselves yet it's an it's a it's a way for them to 
understand themselves. And so that's why art and creativity is so healing. And, and that's why all these programs are so successful. Yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about that Young Storytellers group as well. Matt, you're going to love this. Travis, no way you remember this. But when we, you know, we became buddies and we were hanging out a little bit, you immediately tried to get me to go to Malawi. 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 Yeah, Malawi. Malawi. is in Southeast Africa. And I was like, uh, soft pass. You know, like... <laughs> I, was I like, remember I did. Uh, yes, I asked you. That's it was, right. It was I like a second we, friendship date. Or you're like, hey, you know what we should do next week? You want to go to Malawi to build a school? I wanted to, I wanted to take this friendship to the next level and see if we had that capacity. And you, you let me know right away that this wasn't that kind of friendship. I, I wasn't in, the, I wasn't in the, the right place at that moment to go to Malawi. He would if go you with me now. That, yeah, he yeah now I would. Now I would. Well, I'm always putting the other groups. So uh, now that you said that. Anyway, so they've had a great time. No, Travis, thank you so much, man. This thank was you. incredible. Thank You're you. the man. So great to have you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm always, always happy to, to reconnect with you. It's been, it's been way too long. And also just the thoughtful questions and you know, the reason behind this podcast is I think it's important and uh, it's great that you guys are doing this. So I'm glad you finally get to meet Travis. Great dude. I love that when you texted me, I made fun of you because you're like, he's a smoke show. Like, Are we doing that now? <laughs> Did I say that? I he think, is quite handsome. I think you should be able to say about your male friends, he's a smoke show. No, we're, we're going to have to poll this, bro. Okay, we'll do a poll. We'll do a poll. Um, <laughs> I think the real poll has to be Baldoni or Van Winkle. Oh, Van Winkle. And they're buddies. I'm a Van Winkle guy. They're buddies. You're a Van Winkle Looks guy? Looks-wise? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Two polls. One, one on body alone. One on looks. I think Baldoni's more jacked than Winkle. Okay, you just said we can't call guys smoke shows and now we're doing a body competition, hot or not? <laughs> Get Zuckerberg on the line. So I love what he said about he takes a boys trip or he used to take boys trips on New Year's Eve, account like an accountability men's group trip. So do you have um, like New Year's resolutions or any of that? And if so, do you share those with anybody? Because I have been doing a thing for a decade with my sister where we do our resolutions and we share them. But what I like about this is this was more about intentionality than goals. Well, I don't know. What's the difference? Well, goals are like, I, for me, it was like, I'm going to sell this script. Right, I'm right. going to, you know, make X dollars. And yeah. Like things that are just, you know, very much like tangible. This is more like, I'm going to be like a better brother. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to try to be more open to experiences. Mm -hmm. What do you just think about the fact that he would take these trips with just guys? I think we need to do more of that. Because I think when we talk about in this podcast and in our real life, when we talk about boys trips, we're talking about a boys trip, like yeah. Vegas. You did um, a whitewater rafting trip a oh, couple yeah. years ago. I, I feel I'm a little jealous of that. I feel that I'm suited to those things and I don't have an outlet for any like boys trips that aren't just drinking and partying. And I'm kind of at the point where in 2024, I would really like to set that up if you're into it. Just to clarify, uh, we were ten, spent 10 days in the Colorado River. Uh, it was half like older people, half our age. We, the younger kids drank so much booze that we ran out halfway through. I said, this is unacceptable. I took one of the, like the dinghies, went off on my own. I, I met another rafting trip 
and I bartered with them like uh, like, like in the colonial times to get more booze. So it was about booze. Oh my God, what'd you give them? Yeah, we gave them some food stuff that oh we had and some whatever and we got it. But I came back as a conquering hero because I couldn't row because this was pre-CrossFit, so I was so weak. You are the friend of utility. <laughs> <laughs> Barra was a friend of pleasure and a friend Both. of utility. Both, Jesus. But yes, I would love to do, I just want to make sure we're saying the same thing because the accountability part of it could be anything. It doesn't yeah. have to be a camp. Why does it have to be camping? It doesn't have to be. Okay, I just want right. it to be less about partying. But I just love the party. Yeah, I just I would like to just I, the outdoors thing to me is like that would be cool if we like went fishing. Or God, I don't want to just like be be naysaying something that's really good, yeah. but like it's gonna be so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I kidding? We're just yeah. going to Vegas. Yeah, let's get fucked up. I mean, I think we can do a trip. What you're saying, we could still have some. So trip. not to go like all Theo, you know, I like that he does a decathlon, but I've always wanted a bachelor party, and you're the only one left. Where they do like an NFL combine. So we're going to jump real high? Yeah. But like everything, you know, you have like the ball shooting out at us, like, you know, like target, target, like you I mean, throw it through is, the yeah. thing. This is an example of something that you would like. Yeah. That I don't, it's my ah, bachelor party. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. By the way, what do we think about Travis's boys with our like hero, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Very jealous. Yeah. Uh, we have to have Theo actually uh, double check in the meantime that story about Arnold coming up with. The Hummer? Like, I don't know if that's true. It sounds incredible if Arnold basically handed GM the entire business model without taking taking a cut. Right, that like, Arnold basically saw a military Hummer. Yeah, and was like, like, I want one. Yeah, I have heard that before. Okay, well, we'll have Theo do also, it. Also, remember in Terminator, he got paid with a Black Hawk helicopter instead of money? Right, that's pretty That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, look, if there were actors like that I would want to be friends with, like legends, he would be way up there. Yeah. I always thought he would be president if he, would, if he was born here. Yeah, because <laughs> we've talked about emailing with Arnold Schwarzenegger twice in this pod. I mean, if you had only gotten DeVito on board. I know. Just to recap, Arnold read one of my scripts, really liked it, shared it with Danny DeVito, who didn't like it, never heard from them ever again. Now Cairo hates the penguin. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Arnold's email is? We talked about it. No, we talked about Danny DeVito's email. Oh, yeah. Arnold's got to be, um, let's think. Arnold's, Arnold's got to be like bodybuilding related. Oh, right? you think it's like. Bodybuilding, bodybuilder 63 at Geo. No, I think it's Mr. Universe 72 through 75. Huh, at, that's good. At Comcast.net. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Travis, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and if you guys haven't watched Fubar and Netflix, watch it. It's incredible. It already got renewed. So, Kira, what did we learn today? Uh, I think I learned from you that not every boys' trip has to be about raging and partying. It could also just be about taking some time to be accountable and, you know, give each other some support. I would love that. You rejected my overture. <laughs> we learned. I, I say that, but I learned nothing. Yeah. Uh, I learned maybe just renewed because I, I was doing this um, youth program where I was teaching inner city kids stand-up comedy and I haven't done it in a few years because of COVID. And when he talked about Big Brothers, it was a reminder to me that giving back does a lot for yourself. And I, I also think you can meet people. I made friends. You trying with to meet kids? The other mentors. <laughs> yeah. With the other mentors. Um, I, I think there's an opportunity there to meet like-minded folks when you give back to. Yeah, I like what we said in the interview was that when you're giving back, uh, you're actually gaining a lot. It's, yeah, it's selfish. Yeah, it, it is a little selfish. Yeah, in a good way. In a way, in a good way. Um, uh, Theo, what do we have? This is Erroneous with Thelonious. So this is hot from Wikipedia. It does seem like Arnold deserves some credit for the Hummer. Mm. As, and I quote, 
The civilian model began in part because of the persistence of Arnold, who saw an army convoy yeah. while filming Kindergarten Cop in Oregon and then lobbied for it. No, so Travis was right. So, so Arnold's not telling tales outside of school. Yeah, he doesn't even need to, Arnold. I know. Like, if really? Arnold. Like Arnold doesn't need to make up stories. If anything, he has to underplay it. God, why did I doubt him? I'll never, I'll never <laughs> hang out with All right, well, that's our show, guys. Remember, be good to yourself. Be good to your friends. Love you, buddy. Love you, buddy. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.